I set an hour per student each week and I meet with them one-on-one. And in that time, I review the work that they've done with me for the week, and then I assign them new work. And that allows me to get most, it's not always, it's not all. There are times during the week where they might ask me a question, but really you end up getting most of the, your management time. If they can be putting in 10, 8, 10 to 15 hours a week for you, right? And if you can only spend one hour for that 8, 10 to 15, 12 to 15 hours a week, you're getting a lot out of that one hour. You're listening to Paul Ashley, former professor and now founder and director of the international nonprofit Learning Life. If you're a busy solopreneur, interns just might be the free helping hand you need to succeed. And you're about to hear how easy it can be to hire them, even as a solopreneur, because Paul is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Paul Lashley, sociologist, former professor, and now director of the educational nonprofit Learning Life. When I first met Paul, we had what was, for me at least, an especially eye-opening conversation about college interns. We've all heard about interns. You may have even served as one. Usually, they are involved with government, big corporations, major nonprofits, but they're actually available and willing to work with solopreneurs, too. And that's a really exciting topic we're going to cover today. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to have you on here because this is going to be literally mind-blowing for some of the solopreneurs hearing this like it was for me. I just know it. And because it's such a new topic, I would love to maybe start with a little bit more about your background. How did you get into internship consulting? What led you down this path? And and we're going to get into the details of it, but how did you get here? Yeah. So I was a student for a long time. That's, that's the first way I got into this. I was a graduate student for a total of 12 years and uh, ended up finally in 2007 with my PhD in sociology. But the experience of being a student, both as an undergraduate, then as a master's student, then a PhD student, helped to convey to me the importance of internships. So my first job out of college was as a writer, a journalist, essentially, in Washington, D.C., working on food, nutrition, and agricultural policy. And I got that job because I had an internship with that organization in my senior year in college. And they, offered, and they, they got to know my work, which is critical, and they offered me a job afterwards. And they ultimately offered me the editorship of the, after the first year of writing, staff writing, they offered me the editorship of the, this newsletter they, were, they produced. And I decided to go to grad school. But the point is, that was an opportunity I would not have had if I hadn't interned. So that led to when I started teaching, I taught at Stetson University in Florida. And that experience had me actually leading students on the academic side of internships. So typically, if students are taking internships for credit, for course credit, they have some sort of an academic supervisor. So I acted as the academic supervisor. But Really, most of my experience and the experience that's most relevant for solopreneurs is for many years, I would say about it's over 15 years now, I have the nonprofit side and the community organization side recruiting and managing interns. So over the last 
15 years or so, I've kind of developed a, an efficient and effective system for getting the most out of student interns at no cost. Wow. That's something that's going to perk some soap in your up to, okay, I don't have a large budget. I'm not a big corporation or whatever. How could I possibly bring in an intern? And the point you're making is that interns get relative value. And I, I'm just curious, what kind of work do interns do? And some people really don't have a lot of insight into this whole idea of internships. I mean, they've, they've heard about them. They don't really know what actually goes on in the day-to-day life of an intern. What do interns do and why should solopreneurs even consider hiring them in the first place? Yep. So I think the most compelling answer to your second question um, as to why that why they should be hired is because you can literally get, depending on how many interns you hire, hundreds of hours of free labor per week. So that's the most kind of compelling message, I think, to solopreneurs. You know, the devil's in the details, right? You do, right. and this is part of this conversation, and then part of ultimately the training will be kind of, you need to know certain details. You need to know how to, how to manage interns, how to re- recruit them effectively and efficiently, but they can get a tremendous amount of work done. And I'll give you a couple of examples of work that was actually work that was valued, would be valued at thousands of dollars on the market if it had been done by through paid consultants or paid staff. One is most recently we had three to four videos done by a student at George Mason University who is in their video program. And he was an older student in his later 20s. And it turns out was essentially a professional. Just, but he was, he was a, a student, an undergraduate student, but he had to do a project through his coursework. And so he ended up, I, I gave him content, but he did most of it with minimal work, minimal input from me and produce professional level video promotional videos for our organization, which we're still using. Another example is we had a student who was a web developer. She was developing her, her, herself as a, as a web developer, and she overhauled, she created a new website, overhauled an existing website that we had. And again, the work was worth thousands of dollars. And that was just in a single semester, right? So in the span of about four months, but students can do a, and I'm going to just give you kind of a laundry list of things that they can do. They can do record keeping, file organizing, list building. They can do research, a lot of research online or in libraries. They can help with editing and writing. Some of my students help with co-authoring. I actually offer them, and that's trying to get at the value for interns. I offer them co-authorship, but you can certainly just credit them for writing or research that they do for you. They can help with brainstorming. They can help with outreach, with sales and marketing via phone, email, or in person. They can help with designing and, and editing posters, ads, videos, and other promotions, as I mentioned. Building and maintaining websites, as I mentioned. Building and sustaining social media communication, so building audience. Event planning and organizing, crowdfunding, fundraising campaigns, etc. There's a lot that they can do. That's quite a list. And not... Honestly, there's a lot of things in that list right there. I'm thinking to myself, I could probably use somebody to help take some of that kind of work off of my plate. Because as solopreneurs, we kind of, you know, the chief cook and bottle washer, we do it all. And it's not that we have to do it all. There is always the opportunity to do virtual staff. You don't actually have to hire a W-2 employee. But it sounds like interns are an opportunity to do that without the huge expense. Now, are some interns paid or how does that go? Is it, are they always free? Are they sometimes paid? What happens there? I can tell you, so I've had over 100 interns just with Learning Life since 2012. 
I have not paid a red cent to any of them. However, it is up to whoever hires interns to decide whether they want to offer a stipend or hourly pay. So most interns are not paid in the United States, but if you can afford it, I do strongly recommend paying interns, right? Uh, Particularly if the interns come from lower income backgrounds, it's important to treat them fairly. But there are ways of, even if you don't have the money and you can't afford it, and we can't afford it, right? So I want to emphasize, as an organization, Learning Life is me. I am a solopreneur in the nonprofit sector. I work full-time and I manage 40 to 50 volunteers, including interns. And it's, it's a tremendous amount of work. I love my work, but I need help, right? So like for-profit entrepreneurs, nonprofit entrepreneurs need, they have a tremendous amount of work. A lot of the work is work that they'd rather delegate to other people. But the challenge is uh, consultants are expensive and, and staff are expensive. In fact, labor costs, as I'm sure everybody knows, are typically the, the single biggest cost for, for businesses. So this is a way of not only getting a tremendous amount done at little to no cost, it's a way of providing, if it's done well, providing something of real value to the students. So, you know, to answer your question in brief, pay them if you can. If you can't, some students will want course credit, but that's actually a minority of students. Most of the students that I've had and most students generally are just looking for good work experience. And so it's really about providing them meaningful work experience. You can't just exploit a student and have them do menial labor. Menial labor can be part of what they do, but they have to have some sort of resume building work for them. Yeah, and that makes total sense because it, there has to be a benefit for them. Otherwise, why would somebody work for you for free? They're, they're not your right. slave. They're an intern. There's, right. there's a mutual beneficial relationship here. And let me ask you this. In the eyes of the interns, how much maybe resume building work would you say actually makes it where they say, okay, this is really a fair exchange of my efforts in order to provide this this time of mine? Because it's valuable time for them as well. Is that a fair and equitable exchange? And what does it take to make that fair and equitable? Yeah. So I work in a relatively kind of attractive field for a lot of students, which is international education. And, you know, we do family diplomacy. So we're connecting families across the world to create a more caring world uh, through a Facebook group. So if anybody's interested, FYI, uh, this is just a plug for our, our work with Learning Life. We have a free Facebook group that connects families worldwide. And you can look it up on, on Facebook. It's a family diplomacy initiative. So it's that work is if you create. So the first answer to your question is, If you can create a compelling internship notice, you are going to attract more students to your your internship. So it has to, in my consulting work, I help people kind of to develop the language effectively for a one-page internship notice that goes out uh, through various channels. And so that's kind of the key first step. You've got to have some sort of a hook that is interesting to students out there. But beyond that, I think what students are looking for is a set of things. And it's, so it's not just the obvious, which is work experience. They're looking for constructive feedback. That's another thing. They're looking, in some cases, oftentimes students are looking for opportunities to work with other people. So not just the solopreneur, but if you happen to have other interns, uh, that they work as a team on a problem that you have. 
and pursue solving that problem together. And then if there are awards that you can provide or recognition of some kind, um, that's another thing that they're looking for. And of course, at the end, if you're satisfied with their work, they're looking for a job reference and they're looking for a recommendation letter, or you can even promote them or recommend them on LinkedIn if they're on LinkedIn and you're on LinkedIn. Gotcha. I'm curious about one thing. And are interns considered to be an employee? For example, I know in California, they have that new law, the AB5, I think it's called, where there's all these regulations coming in. How does that affect internships? Is that impacted by that? Yeah, no. Interns are not typically considered employees. But again, that <laughs> they're students gaining experience, right? But that should not be a basis. I mean, employees, all kinds of requirements for that. For interns, it's just a relationship between you and the student, sometimes with the university if they're getting course credit. And the only presumption is that you're providing, as you were saying, it's a bilateral relationship where the student expects a benefit from the free work that they're offering. So you, you really have to think hard about what exactly, what benefits you're offering the student. Yeah, of course, you have to ask the question being, you know, COVID-19 days, what's going on in that? I mean, colleges are shut down and how has that impacted internships and are they still going on these days? Yeah, so some organizations have, because they have to have their internships in person, have canceled their internships. Other organizations have pivoted and have moved online with their internships. So personally, for my work, I don't need to be in person with the students. So COVID has actually been a fantastic time to recruit interns. In fact, this summer, I had more interns than I've ever had. And that was, I had 13 interns, which is probably actually more than I needed. But um, there is more management work with more students. But I got a huge amount of work out out of them. And they got a good experience. Some of them will be co-authoring articles, as I mentioned, with me. One of those articles has already been published on uh, uh, networking, essentially, kind of social science insights on uh, networking. So, Yeah, that's terrific. I was thinking that, too. It's like, if, if you can work with them virtually, and I know many solopreneurs listening to this podcast, they, they do a lot of their work virtually already. It's just part of their lifestyle. Anyways, before yep. COVID, they were virtual. That's what I've always been. And it just makes it so much easier to work with interns. And it seemed like it would be more demand for locations to intern at since so many places have closed down, assuming that there weren't, you know, I didn't know what happened to the students who were in college if they, if they closed class or whatever. So it's, it's really interesting to think about how that might have impacted the industry. Yeah, it is. I really do think this is COVID has as terrible as it is. It has a lot of silver linings. And one of them is for solopreneurs who do online work. If remote interning makes sense for you, this is a great time to start developing your internship program. Yeah. So here's the big question, obviously, is where do you find interns? I mean, obviously, you know, they go to college, you go to university or whatever, but it's not like you're probably walking around campus handing out flyers. So what does that look like to, to reach a potential intern? How do they find you? Yeah. So I'm going to reserve some of that for the secret, uh, the, the training to not give everything away here. But I'll tell you that there are opportunities for people to find interns through online networks that exist precisely for that purpose. But it's also worth developing your own list of university departments across the country if you do remote internships or if in your area, if you do in-person internships. And actually, your interns can help you develop that list. Yes, that's great. Interns finding interns. So you can like keep the ball rolling. Yeah. I love that. Right. 
So and I, this, this is like really, really fascinating. I, I just love this whole idea of kind of giving a hand up to somebody who is trying to enter the workforce and they, they want to be able to show, hey, I have legitimate skills. It's not just book knowledge. I'm actually, you know, using the skills that I've developed in college. I want to use them in a real world environment and solopreneurs can provide that. So what kind of tips, you know, obviously solopreneurs aren't big corporations and I know there's going to be the secret sauce because that's, that's what you do. But what tips can you offer for solopreneurs who want to design an efficient and effective internship program? Well, what steps should they begin taking maybe now as they think about maybe potentially hiring an intern? Yeah. So there are two domains and, you know, in the training, I'll, I'll go into these further, but one is the recruitment process and two is the management process once you've got the intern. So those are kind of worth separating out because they're, they've got their own dynamics. And, you know, the tips I would offer on the, the latter part, um, I'll, we'll talk more about the recruiting in the, in the training, but in management, I'd offer a couple of tips. One of the risks with any staff, right, whether they're volunteer, intern, or paid staff or consultants, is that you, and especially with students who have less experience, is that you end up doing too much managing as a solopreneur and you don't have the time for that. So under those circumstances, the best thing to do is to try to limit uh, the time that you spend with each student, but at the same time to give them to give them um, individual attention, right? Because they need it in order to provide quality work for you. And the best way to do that, the way that I get that done is I set an hour per student each week and I meet with them one-on-one. And in that time, I review the work that they've done with me for the week and then I assign them new work. And that allows me to get most, it's not always, it's not all. There are times during the week where they might ask me a question, but Really, you end up getting most of the, your management time. If they can be putting in 10, 8, 10 to 15 hours a week for you, right? And if you can only spend one hour for that 8, 10 to 15, 12 to 15 hours a week, you're getting a lot out of that one hour. So the first thing I would recommend is, is trying to kind of cordon off the, the management time by setting up a weekly, a weekly one-on-one meeting with your interns. Now, that also creates, the, the advantage of that is it creates real accountability, right? Because they need to get that work done every week and they're reporting to you directly. So it, it helps to build accountability and make sure that they're doing quality work for you. The second thing I, I would recommend is that there needs to, in order to get the best and most work out of students, you have to give them measurable tasks. Um, and I'll give you an example. Rather than tell, tell a student, look, I need you to help me with my social media. Uh, you're on Facebook, you're good with Facebook, or you're good with Instagram, you know, set it up and just go and, and do it. You need to actually set benchmarks. Say, the goal is for us to get this many people by this such and such time, and here are the steps towards that, and here are the ways in which we're going to go about doing this. And this can be a conversation with the students because sometimes they have great ideas that you don't have, right? But nonetheless, uh, and in fact, that's the better way to treat this, right? Is, is that, and I, off, I prefer to treat the interns as people that have their own ideas and sometimes they have better ideas than you have, right? So being open to their ideas is a really good thing that they much appreciate. Um, yeah, it's a fresh perspective. Uh, I think that's always important anyways is to get the outside yeah. looking in so you'll get so close to things. 
Yeah. Crowdsourcing ideas is whether it's with a group of interns or on the internet and so on, or just with a, a person one-on-one um, is really helpful. So giving them kind of specific measurable things that they should be doing. So every week towards broader goals ensures that they're actually getting concrete, measurable work done for you rather than... um, So you have to be... Managing interns is a hands-on process, right? And part of that is developing specific measurable goals and steps in the process. That makes sense. And you also just use the word process. And I'm just going to point out that to get somebody started, you probably should have in your business, your core processes should be documented anyways. And so if you're helping... You know, giving somebody direction, I, I think there's going to be kind of a mirroring between this. Just me thinking out loud here, but if you if you have key tasks that need to get done, you should have a process already in place that either you hopefully you have it documented, but if not, you have enough clarity on it where you can document it so that somebody can take it over easily. That whether you're doing a VA or an intern or whoever, an employee, if you decide to grow beyond solopreneurship, that should be documented. It should be clear. And I love that you pointed out that you know you need to have measurable tasks. How do you evaluate if you don't wishy-washy and you don't know it's just all, okay, maybe it's subjective to, did you do Instagram? Yeah, I did Instagram last week. Well, how much Instagram did you do? That's not a measurable goal. And I love what you're Mm -hmm. saying here. I think that's important working with people in general. If you're outsourcing to a company, you're outsourcing for a VA, you have a a service provider that's helping you in your business, whatever it is, you should document what the expectations are. That way you know whether they're achieved. And it's just that much more important for the interns to, to know that they're making the progress. I, I don't know if I want to ask this question. I'm going to ask it anyways. And that is, uh, any horror stories with interns? Like, oh my gosh, they just like destroyed the business. Or, and if that was the case, what could you have done to prevent it? I'm just curious. Yep, yep. I have one that sticks out in my mind because I, I guess it was somewhat of a, a stressful horror story. But it was, the good thing is it was an outlier. It was just an extraordinary circumstance. I had an intern, it's relatively recent, about two, two years ago, who just did not, had, had kind of uh, social, emotional issues and kind of just quickly did not, again, I've, I've managed hundred, over 100 interns and had a generally very positive interaction with students. But in this case, the student for some reason felt because I was setting kind of goals, right, and setting accountability, giving her precise things to do, and she wasn't delivering, that I was being unfair to her. And to me, in those situations, the important thing is to, you have to be clear about expectations. And I, and I set this from the start. There's an orientation meeting at the beginning of all internships each semester. And in that, I made clear what the expectations are. You're going to be doing such and such amount of work every week. And I expect that you're actually going to deliver on that. And if you don't, then the internship is not workable. And that's what turned out to be the case. And in her case, I told her, look, if, if it's, this clearly isn't working out for her. And so we had to end, end the internship. She didn't take too well to it. But I think the key thing is you've got to be fair, but the interns have to be accountable. Most students take that seriously, but you have to make your expectations clear ahead of time. And I would add, that I would not, and this is an important point, especially out of fairness to students, students are very busy people, right? They're oftentimes taking four to five courses. They're involved in, sometimes they have paid jobs on the side and so on. That's actually something you want to, you have to look into when you're screening students. And I'll talk more about that in the training. 
but they, you need, you should not ask too much of them, which is why I quoted eight, 10. I actually ask for 10 hours a week of my students. And I tell them if keep track of your time, if you feel like you're going over, then tell me if you go over and you're willing to go over, tell me because I think you're being proactive and that's fantastic. And I will go to bat for you at the end of this, the semester, if you do good work. But I would not ask for more than 15 hours a week. And I actually think 15 hours a week is too much. About eight to 10 hours is the right amount of time. It's about a day's worth of work. And that is manageable for students. Because one of the things you have to worry about is whether students drop out. Most of my students, my interns do not drop out. But they will drop out if you ask too much of them. And they're not oftentimes mature enough to figure out how much they can handle if you don't do that for them ahead of time. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, one of my boys just started college this year and he's taken 23 credit hours plus he's looking for work to do on the side as we record this. He'll probably have work by the time people listen to this because he's just a go-getter and I know he'll have work. But if he was to do an internship himself, I mean, the kid's crammed, right? That's a very true statement that, that many college students are they're super busy between studying. I mean, think about it this way. You're studying, you're going to class, you're working a job and internship but that also tells me that when you find somebody who's willing to do an internship, they're probably going to be really driven to excel. And there's probably the cream of the crop that are out there doing the internships in the first place, seems to me. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yes. In my experience, the students who seek out internships and actually have a resume and a well-built resume are students with GPAs of 3.5 and above. And by the way, you more often than not, you want a GPA of at least 3.0 and 3.5 and above is a better GPA. And the reason for that is GPAs are not necessarily a precise measure of intelligence. They are a precise measure of discipline and your ability to manage a lot of work and do it well over time, right? That's why I always will take somebody with a higher GPA over somebody with a higher standardized test score because the GPA is giving me their performance over time rather than on a Saturday when they took a, a standardized test. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, you can prepare for a test, but it takes discipline, like you just said, to, to manage over. That's why you something like summa cum laude graduate. Why is that a big deal? Because they've consistently maintained a strong work ethic in their college studies. Right. That it indicates that they're organized. It inca- of course, it indicates some degree of intelligence, but b- above all, that they're organized and hardworking, right? And so GPA is kind of a marker. It's not a guarantee, but it's a decent marker and a decent measure of how they might perform as your intern. Yeah. And I'm like super excited about this conversation. I know we're going to, we've already scheduled for you to come in and do a training for our community. This is going to be awesome. If you're listening to this, make sure you attend that training. And I know that this is a question we plan to, to talk about, but what's the best way to get started? I, I think the real answer is come to the training. <laughs> but if you missed that or, or whatever, you know, we'll be recorded for our patron members. But let me ask you this. Let's say you're just listening to this podcast. What would be the best way for the soul to get started with internships? How do you move forward? What's the first step? The first step is to develop a one-page internship notice. And I'll go into the details of that in the training, but it's got to be compelling. And it's got to be well-organized and clear. And it's got to deliver certain information. That is the very first step. If you don't do that, you don't have a clear idea of what the parameters and what the content of the internship is and how you're going to attract students. So that lays out kind of the... And it also lays out the process for recruiting, right? So I'll talk more about that in the training about 
how to build an effective one-page internship notice. Uh, fantastic. And I, I know you've got a lot of resources available for people uh, that they want to learn more about internships, and maybe they're not a member of the community. But of course, if you're not, jump on it. It's free. Get in there. But I know, Paul, you, you personally work with a lot of people across multiple industries, and obviously just not solopreneurs, but across the board, big companies, nonprofits, and such as well. How do people find you and get in touch with you and, and connect to, to learn more about getting interns? Sure. Well, again, I'll, I'll shamelessly plug our, our learning life. It's a nonprofit. If you like education and international affairs and kind of world learning and so on, one way to get, uh, get a hold of me is just by going to learninglife.info and you can email me at my work email, which is paul at learninglife.info. However, for the consulting work, because I do this consulting work on the side, the best thing to do is to go to my personal website, which is paulashlier.info, and look at the consulting page. At that page, I lay out some details, and I'm more than happy to half-hour conversation with people who are interested in kind of launching their internship program and really catapulting their capacity to do more work at low cost, low cost or no cost. You can go to my website and my email there is paul at info. Awesome. And I'll definitely include all that in the show notes. So if you're listening, it's like, oh, I don't know how to spell that. Don't worry about it. We'll got you covered. <laughs> Just go to the show notes. I'll give you the link at the end of the call, the show here. And this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. Are you as surprised by the intern opportunity for solopreneurs as I was? Since we recorded this interview together, Paul delivered that full training, including the special sauce we mentioned, that gives you everything you need to effectively hire and manage interns. He normally charges $399 per seat for that training, but members of my Solopreneur Success Connections community got in totally free. If you missed it, good news. Patron members also get access to all the training session recordings. That includes the Paul Lashley training. And your first month with no obligation to continue is only $7. If you'd like to learn more about membership, whether as a free member for life to get a free ticket to all of our live trainings, or as a paid patron member to get all the training session recordings worth thousands of dollars also, visit the membership page at solopreneurcoach.com. You'll find all the links you need on the show notes page for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 032. Again, that's solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 032. Thank you for listening. And for my U.S. friends, I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving.